grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. For the last few summers at my house, my, my family and I have been raising butterflies in the summer. Uh, we found out that right near our house was a, a field of milkweed, and um, we, we found out that it's on milkweed that butterflies lay their eggs. And then right there on that milkweed, those little, uh, those little eggs hatch, and little caterpillars are formed, and then those little caterpillars eat the milkweed and turn into big fat caterpillars, and those big fat caterpillars hang their chrysalis right there on the milkweed. Uh, and I should just, this little science uh, fact for you if you don't know this, um, but butterflies form a chrysalis, moths form a cocoon, cocoons are silk-like, a chrysalis is more uh, hard-shaped. So I'm going to call it a chrysalis, but if you want to think of cocoon, if that makes more sense to you, go ahead. So my family and I, we've been raising these butterflies, and we found out that you could get a little butterfly habitat, this little netted thing. And so my wife and children, mostly they go and um, find these little eggs, little white dots on the milkweed leaves, and they bring them in and put them inside this habitat. And after a little while, these little eggs hatch, and then there's a little caterpillar, and the little caterpillar eats the milkweed and turns into a big caterpillar and eventually climbs up the side of this net and hangs from the top of it, forming its chrysalis, and eventually breaks free, and then we go outside and let it out. It's pretty cool. I hadn't thought about butterflies all that much until we started doing this, and it's fascinating to watch them develop and grow and change. For a long time, since the early Christian church, the butterfly has actually been a symbol of resurrection. Resurrection, because like that life of that caterpillar, uh, it lives, it goes into a tomb-like state and then transforms and changes and breaks free and lives this new transformed life. So too, Jesus lived, he was put in a tomb, and then he was transformed and changed into his resurrected, glorified body to live forever and ever. So the butterfly is a nice image to help us think about resurrection, but not only Jesus' resurrection, but also what it means for us as people who live in light of Jesus' resurrection. Because we too live and die, but also are raised and transformed, changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ because he rose from the dead. We'll talk more about these butterflies in just a minute. The last week was Easter Sunday, and Easter Sunday was the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead, that's why we gather together, that's, that is our hope as Christian people. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no Christianity. Everything hinges on this reality. And so I boldly proclaimed this to you last week. But what happened next after Jesus rose from the dead? I, I don't know if you know this part of the story. It gets often overlooked in a lot of people's minds and time frame of scriptural events. I don't know if you know this part because a lot of people, for whatever reason, think that the resurrection of Jesus means that he, on Easter Sunday, was just kind of gone. The tomb was empty and poof, 
I don't know what people believe, but I don't know what you believe, but a lot of people just think he kind of just went to heaven, and that's that. That's not how the scriptural story goes, by, by, no, by no means. After Jesus rose from the dead, he started appearing to people. He started appearing to people, and over the course of 40 days, he appeared not only to his closest friends, but to hundreds of people for 40 days. You can read about many of these appearances in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, even in Acts and 1 Corinthians, all over the place. You can read about how Jesus appeared to people. Uh, and, and each gospel uh, takes a little different approach and, and uh, shows different appearances and different events. Today we're going to look specifically at Luke chapter 24 and what's recorded for us there. After Jesus was crucified on Friday, the disciples, Jesus' closest friends who had been with him, they fled to the place that they felt most safe and secure. They fled right back to that upper room where they had celebrated the Passover together just a couple of days before. Why? Because they were afraid. They were scared. I mean, you can imagine Jesus, their leader, is now dead, and they've been close associates with him in public. You can imagine that they were scared for their own lives as well. So they went and they hid. There they spent the weekend together, just together. We don't really know what happened. But two other followers of Jesus, not part of the original 12, but two followers of Jesus, two other disciples who had been with Jesus and, and the gathering there in Jerusalem for that Passover week, two of these guys on Sunday uh, started traveling back home to a little village called Emmaus. Uh, we skipped over this section of scripture today. This is also in Luke 24. You can read it for yourselves, but I'm going to briefly tell you what happens. These two, um, they were walking along the road on the seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and as they were walking, they were talking about all the craziness that had happened in Jerusalem as Jesus died and, and was crucified. And this man walks up to them. And we as readers know that it's Jesus, but Jesus hid himself from them, however that worked. But um, he was there, and, and he hid his appearance. He, they could see him, but they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And, and he asked them, what are you guys talking about as you walk along? And they turned to him and said, are you the only guy in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened here? All this crazy stuff about Jesus? You didn't see or hear any of that? And so Jesus talked with them and walked along, and they got to the village, and Jesus actually went in to spend time with them. And as he was spending time with them, Jesus started teaching them. And he taught them about Moses. And he taught them about the prophets. And he taught them about the Psalms, the whole Old Testament. And he was demonstrating to them that all of the Old Testament was all about him, pointing to him. And then they broke bread together, and the eyes of these disciples were open, and they looked, and they were like, this is Jesus! And then Jesus disappeared from sight. Those guys, those two, that same hour, they booked it back seven miles to Jerusalem they found the disciples hiding, and they said, guys, you're not going to believe it. We just encountered Jesus. We met him. He rose from the dead. And then Jesus appeared there. And he said to them, peace to you. 
And then he said, touch me, see, it's me. And then he ate food with them, and he taught them all about who he is. Jesus appeared after his resurrection to his disciples for two main reasons. One, to prove that he rose from the dead, right? Jesus appeared to his disciples after to prove his resurrection, but also to prepare them for what was to come. Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples to prove his resurrection, but also to prepare them for what was to come in their lives. I want you to think about those butterflies again. When the butterfly, when that little caterpillar forms its chrysalis, it's closed up in that chrysalis for a few days. And when these disciples are locked in this upper room, I think of them like a closed up caterpillar in a chrysalis. They were just closed up there, just shut down, not even sure what was next in their own lives. They were closed. But once Jesus appeared to them, their lives were opened and they were changed. They had open hearts and open heads and open hands to believe and understand and know how to live in light of the resurrection. Let me demonstrate this for you today. Before Jesus appeared to his disciples, so before the, the resurrection appearance of Jesus, so before Jesus showed up to his disciples, the disciples had closed hearts, they had closed heads, they had closed hands. They had closed hearts. They had closed hearts. What do we mean by this is that they did not really believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't believe it. Instead, they were sad, they were afraid, they were unsure of what to believe. And we have evidence of this, that they didn't really believe in the resurrection at first. We looked at it last week, but on that Easter morning, on that very first day, it was the women who went to the tomb of Jesus, and when the women got to the tomb, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus' body wasn't there, and the women were perplexed and confused, and angels showed up to the women, and the angels said, why are you sad? Why are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. Don't you remember he told you he was going to have to die and rise? Well, he died, and now he's risen. Don't you remember? And the women, they did remember. They said, oh, yes, he rose from the dead. He said he would. Okay. They ran back to tell the disciples this, locked in that room. And when they got there, Luke 24, 11 says, but these words seemed to them, that is the disciples, the words of the women seemed to the disciples an idle tale. And they did not believe them. These disciples had closed hearts. They did not believe right away that Jesus rose from the dead. But they also had closed heads. This means that they didn't fully understand what was happening. Not only did they not really believe it, they just didn't understand it. They didn't understand that Jesus had to die, and they had totally forgotten that Jesus said he would rise. Right? He said he would die, he said he would rise, but they had totally neglected this. They didn't understand it. They really, truly thought that Jesus was going to be their new king of Israel and that they were going to be his delegates and his appointees and his new kingdom, but now their king is dead and they're just, their minds are blown. They don't get it. They don't understand. Their heads 
were clothed. And before Jesus appeared to his disciples, the disciples had closed hands. This means that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know how to live. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. For the last three years, these guys have been doing whatever Jesus asked them to do. They have, for the last three years, been following Jesus with their whole lives. Remember, they left behind their families. They left behind their livelihoods. They've given their lives to following Jesus. And now he's dead, and they're trapped in the city with the people who killed Jesus, and they are the known associates of Jesus. They're freaking out. They're afraid. And so they just don't know what to do. They don't even know where to go. They were closed, closed hearts, closed heads, closed hands like a caterpillar in a chrysalis, not knowing what is next. But then Jesus showed up to them. He appeared to them. And when he appeared to them, he opened up the possibilities of what it means to live a life in Christ. He opened up their heads and their hearts and their hands to receive his resurrection and to also see that their lives are being transformed by that same resurrection. Let me show you. Jesus opened their hearts. Jesus opened their hearts. This means that Jesus gave them the opportunity to believe everything that he said, that he died and rose. When Jesus showed up to his disciples in that upper room, first he said to them, peace to you. And then he spoke and he said, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, it is I. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He invited his disciples to come and touch him. Poke him in the face. Give him a squeeze. I would have, I would have bear hugged him. I would have picked him up and see if I could squeeze the breath out of him. You know, I would have, I would have been right in there going, yeah, oh yeah, you're strong, Jesus, yeah. But then to top it all off, Jesus said to them, do you have anything here to eat? And then James and John, they looked at each other and they're like, dude, you, did you eat the last bit of food? You know, and then they go and they look and they, they found some broiled fish. And they brought some broiled fish to Jesus. And Jesus got his fork, and he took a bite, and he put that fish in his mouth. And they were all watching as he chewed the fish with his teeth, as he swallowed, and as Adam's apple did that little thing. And then as the food seemingly went into his stomach, they were expecting that Jesus would have put that fork in his mouth, and that the fish would have gone... <laughs> plop on the floor because they thought he was a ghost right and ghosts don't have stomachs and stuff so he was just demonstrating to them guys it's me i'm alive i rose from the dead do you see me he's giving them the opportunity to have their hearts open and jesus opened up their heads verse 45 says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures jesus spent time there that night just as he had with the two in Emmaus, he did with all of the disciples. He walked them through the Bible again, through the whole Old Testament. He said all of this, all of, all of Moses' laws, all of the prophets, all of the Psalms, it's all about me. It's all pointing to me. He was teaching them, explaining to them. This is why as a church, we're passionate about the whole Bible. This is why for the last eight months, we've been journeying through the Bible in chronological order. 
because we want you to be people who see Jesus on every page of the scriptures. We want you to be people who see Jesus through the promises made to Abraham. We want you to see Jesus at work as, as, as uh, people are failing and falling and God has mercy on them and restores them. We want you to see how everything is pointing to Jesus and have its fulfillment in him. We want to be people who see Jesus on every page of the scripture. So Jesus opened their heads to understand this, and I pray he's opening your head as well. And finally, Jesus opened up their hands. This means that Jesus taught them how to live and what this new reality of life looks like in light of his resurrection. See, instead of being locked up like a chrysalis for the rest of their lives, Jesus says very clearly to them, you are now my witnesses. I want you to go to all people groups, all ethnic groups, all nations, and I want you to testify, tell them what you've seen and heard and received from me. I'm teaching you, teach them. You are my disciples, make disciples. Go and do it until the whole world hears and is transformed by my life and by my resurrection. Jesus is saying to them, live with open hearts and open heads and open hands. Receive my resurrection and give my resurrection hope to the world so that they can be changed and transformed by my life. From closed hearts to open hearts, from closed heads to open heads, from closed hands to open hands. This is why Jesus appeared after his resurrection and what he did for his disciples. So what about you? Are you closed or are you open? Are you closed up in life, in fear? Are you closed up in fear or in, in, in life, in self-pity or self-doubt? Are you closed up in life in pure selfishness? Are you, are you closed up or are you open? Are you open to what Jesus has done for you and is promising to do in your life? Are you open to his word? Are you open in his presence saying, here I am, Lord, have your way with me. Change me, mold me, make me, send me, do whatever you have with me. Are you open to his word being alive in your life? Are you open to what Jesus has in store for you? Some of you may be at different stages. Some of you may be more closed right now. Some of you may be more open. But I want you to know that every one of you have been changed by the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus promises when he returns a full transformation of your life forever and ever. But even now, you've already been changed. If you confess Jesus as Lord, if you've been baptized into his holy name, you are already a new creation. You already have this new life. He's already transforming your heart and your mind and your life to act and live as his people. You are already transformed. But some of you are more willing uh, or more apt to be ready to go. And some of you are a little bit more hesitant right now in life. 
when it comes to proclaiming the good news of Jesus in this world, when it comes to witnessing about what it is that you've received from Jesus, some of you are like, yeah, let's go. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think about these butterflies again. Um, as we've been raising these butterflies, it's, it's quite fascinating um, to, to get that leaf, and there's just this tiny little white dot on it. And in that little one, one little white dot is the potential for life. And that little white dot turns into the little caterpillar, and it eats the milkweed and turns into the big fat caterpillars. And then it crawls up the side of this net and hangs from the top. And it's fascinating to watch them form this chrysalis that happens very quickly. And then as they're in it, you can start to see the shapes of their wings already and see the dots. You can almost see through it. And then after a couple of days, they wiggle and... They, they've got wings, they're transformed. You, you look at them and you go, Bill, is that you? Betty, is that you? Bob, is that you? Betsy, is that you? You got to give them all B names because they're butterflies, all right? That's my opinion, at least. And so, but you look at them and you're like, you kind of look like the caterpillar that was here, but you look different, too. You, look, you change, you're transformed. You got wings, that's different. But here you are, transformed, changed, right? And then, we, and then we let them go. But in the letting go of these butterflies, they're all a little bit different. Some of the butterflies, when we take them outside, um, they just, they're in the little net thing, and their wings just start flapping and going. They're flying in circles in that thing. And you unzip the top, and they just, they're just gone. They go. Some of you are like those butterflies when it comes to, Going with the good news of Jesus. You're like, I will go, Lord. Send me where you, where you want me to go. I'll go. I'll go to the farthest reaches of this earth. I'll talk to people that I've never met before. I'll learn to speak another language. I'll go, Lord. Send me. Some of you are like that. Awesome. Praise God for you. Some of you are a little bit more hesitant. Sometimes we open up the top of that zipper thing and the butterflies just hang onto the side. And you're like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you going to go? And eventually, after a while, they get a little wind under their wings and they flap out. But some of them, honestly, they just, they'll come and land on you right away. And then they'll get up and float around the yard for a little bit. And you just watch them. You're like, I, maybe you're not going to leave the yard. I don't know. And that's all right. Some of you might not leave the yard. That's okay. So long as you're living in the changed and transformed reality of who you are as a believer in Jesus and you make his name known wherever you are, good, do it. You don't have to travel to the farthest reaches of the world. Somebody else is going to fly there, but go where you have been sent. But then sometimes there are these other butterflies that once they come out of their chrysalis, they are damaged. Um, they actually look kind of broken. We've had some where like one wing is bigger than another had somewhere a wing is like folded in half and you're like oof I don't know <laughs> this thing's gonna make it but you can reach your hand down in there and the little butterfly will climb onto your finger and you can bring it out and just hold it out there and in our experience after a while every single one of those butterflies starts flapping its wings and goes about its merry way even when it's been damaged and seemingly broken some of you may feel damaged Maybe you feel like damaged goods or broken and incapable. Some of you might think, I'm unqualified. I, I don't have anything to share with the world. I can't talk about Jesus. 
I tell you, Jesus has already transformed you. He's already given you his new life. He rose from the dead. He conquered death and the devil and sin for you. He did it for you. You are alive because Jesus has given you life. You have hope because Jesus has given you hope. You have peace because Jesus has given you peace. You have eternal life because Jesus has given you eternal life. You are witnesses to these things. Jesus says, testify. Just tell them what you've experienced. Just tell them what you've seen and received. Go and do it. Make my name known because it is through you that my love will transform this world. It is through you going into this world that my name will be made known. It is through you that people's lives will be transformed by the power of my resurrection. So go and spread your wings, people of God, for Jesus is at work in you, transforming you, molding and making you to be like Jesus. So go and make his name known. Live with lives that are open, open to the gospel. Open your heart to the word of God. Open your mind to the word of God. Open your hands to the word of God and say, Lord, use me. Use me. And he will. In his name. Amen.